Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas, experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness and connecting with our authentic self, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happier and healthier lives. Today's episode is about a conversation that I had with my dad last year. Really challenging one, one that took a long time for me to get to and what I learned from that experience. Twenty twenty two was a really big year for me. I feel like the last few years I've had a few big years. <laughs> Every year has on its own been significant in some way, which is an incredible blessing and also sometimes a bit exhausting, won't lie. At the start of the year last year, I left an unhealthy relationship. Australia reopened. So after nearly three years, I got to come home, reunite with my friends and family. I challenged a lot of my own beliefs. I came to learn about a lot of my parts. I grew a lot. It was a year of significant growth and it spurred a lot of opportunities for me to do a lot of work within myself, to look inside, to get to know all these different parts (laughs) that make me who I am and also reconnect with myself. And I say self with this capital S, you know, it's it's the authentic self. It's me when I know that I am most deeply connected to myself and not coming from a bunch of other overthinking parts and, and stuff. So it was a great year for that. And that came with a lot of challenging conversations with myself, with others. And one of them I shared on a previous episode with my mum. And today's episode is about a conversation that I had with my dad. If you've listened in previous episodes or you know me personally, you might know a bit of the history, the story that I have. And I grew up in a dysfunctional home. There were a lot of beautiful things about it, but there were a lot of really hard and and tough things. It was violent and abusive. So my relationship with my dad has always been something quite interesting Growing up, I saw him as my hero. He and I had really great conversations. I found that we were, you know, we are quite similar. So we like having quite intellectual discussions and we think about the world a lot, I suppose. And I could ask him quite hard questions. I can't remember specific things right now, but I know that a lot of those conversations were really positive for me. They were ones that I enjoyed and I guess they were moments that I would cling on to where I felt respected as an individual because there were many moments where I didn't. So, yeah, I had a complicated and a bit of a complex childhood of mixed feelings. But overall, there was just this feeling of like, my dad is my hero and 
there were so many times when I really felt let down where that image would be shattered and as a kid I think I just hung onto the moments where I could prove that to myself like he is all of these great things that I think that he is even when all of this other shit's happening and it took me a while into adulthood until I really saw him as human and then being able to also be honest and recognize the impact that our relationship was having in my life and the impact of my childhood, the impact of all the things that I'd witnessed growing up and, and what that meant for me, what it meant for my relationships. So there was a lot of stuff to feel, to process, to work through, uh, particularly in my early 20s. So I made quite an active decision around 25 years old. Actually, there were different phases. Going back from that, there were different stages from when my parents split up, which was when I was 18, to 25, where I'd go through some periods of not talking to my dad. And, you know, that was spurred by something that happened where he perhaps got really aggressive and so I'd create a bit of distance or just different situations that would come up and my response to that was I'm just going to create some space. And it's what I needed at the time to give myself an opportunity to reflect on what it was that I needed. So much of my life, like child, my childhood, obviously when you live at home and you rely on being fed and being housed by your parents, you don't have autonomy. You don't have a choice to leave a situation. I mean, as a kid, I remember considering and trying to run away. I like packed some things and I started walking. And then I thought, well, I can't leave my siblings because they're going to be there and I don't want to do that to them. So I came home. And so whether it's these forces or just even the recognition that actually I probably can't make it on my own <laughs> if I leave this house at whatever, 10 years old, um, we rely on that. So there isn't that true autonomy to consider how how it is for me to be safe. And that's what I needed, that consideration, that time. And so through through that period, I spent some time where I didn't speak to my dad for a bit and then I'd reconnect and it was kind of this flowing as I needed it to be. And when I was 25, I got engaged And I saw a lot of aspects, a lot of parts that came out of my dad during this time of engagement that really hurt me. Uh, A lot of his controlling parts came back out, some aggressive parts. And I remember sitting there in a conversation with um, my pastor, my parents, my ex's parents, And my dad got really angry and started yelling at everyone over some decoration stuff, stuff that he wanted that wasn't really important to us. And, you know, it was essentially that he wanted his way. 
And then there was stuff that happened on the day of my wedding where he also got really aggressive, yelled at me, kind of demanded things that he wanted. And I was really hurt. And I spent some time reflecting after my wedding about the countless times where I had gone into this fawning response, right, this people-pleasing of just doing what I needed to do to make things better and also that little child part in me just wants my dad to love me. So, of course, it's like let him have his way in the end. I started travelling and taking some time and space for myself as well. And over, I'd say, the next, you know, five, six years, I actively decided to limit and to choose how much time I was spending with my dad. And it came from giving myself permission to do what I needed to do to feel safe. And that feeling of safety, that felt sense of safety is more than just what we know in our head. You know, I could for sure convince myself, well, if we go and sit in public and we spend time together in public, I'm safe physically. You know, it's very unlikely he's going to lash out at me in public or hurt me in public, you know, to combat the, the, the fear that's within me. I for sure could have logically proven to myself otherwise that I'm safe. But inside, what was important for me is like that my body felt safe. You know, there are people who you can be around even in the most chaotic of moments in life and you really just feel safe with. There are even moments when you can be completely alone in the chaos of everything when perhaps logically you might be able to find some reasons why you aren't safe but there is this true embodied sense of safety and that was important for me to have that and I knew that being around my dad a lot that I didn't have that so I limited our interactions to what I needed in order to maintain that sense of safety And obviously COVID happens as a forced physical distance for nearly three years. And all this time, there's a lot that's coming up for me in past relationships, through my separation, through being in this really unhealthy relationship and recognising actually I was just, a part of me was looking for resolution within my relationship with my dad and trying to fix parts that I was seeing, parts within my dad seeing in this partner. And trying to find a different outcome, you know, well, maybe (laughs) I couldn't work these things out within my dad, but maybe my partner here will change. It's just a total classic reenactment of our trauma, of my trauma in this relationship because of things unrectified within my, my relationship with my dad. And so through all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm working through this and in my head, I'm like, I need to have some conversations with my dad. And in my body, I was like, I'm not ready for them yet. And I'd known for a long time, probably for over 10 years, that this conversation was coming 
And again, kind of anytime I'd have these check-in points with myself, my body wasn't ready. And, and when I say that, I mean really feeling safe, whether that's ready within myself, a deep knowing within myself that actually I can handle what is going to come from that conversation, like in, intuitively as well. I was like, I know that stuff's going to, more stuff will come up for me if I, if I try to have this conversation and I will be super reactive and I don't want to go there yet. So I, I don't, I don't want to say I avoided. It's more like I was waiting. I was waiting until I was ready in my time to have this conversation with him. And after having that initial blowout with my mum, which I explained in a previous episode that you can listen to, it, was, it wasn't until nearly six months later that I had this conversation now with my dad. So both of these happened last year. So really after taking all this space, lots of therapy over the years with different therapists um, for different phases and seasons in my life, recognizing all my parts, recognizing the impact on my relationships and stuff, I felt ready. And it was just this moment of a knowing this like everything aligned, my head, my heart, my gut. And I was like, okay, this is the time for us to have this chat. So I reached out to my dad and asked if we could have a conversation, if we could meet up. And what I needed for me to feel safe was for it to be in public somewhere. You know, there's a part of me that fears getting hurt still, that fears his aggression or that he can get violent. So meeting that sense of safety meant meeting up in public. So I asked him to meet up with me and for us to talk. I I let him know as well in advance that I was hoping to share some things um, about our relationship and a lot of stuff that was happening for me. So it was important that I didn't want him to feel blindsided. Like this was not a regular catch up. We're just meeting up for breakfast or lunch or anything. It was an intentional conversation that I was hoping to have. And I was, a part of me was so nervous. A part of me was terrified. And I remember going there and my heart beating so quickly and just coming back to my breath to soothe myself and knowing that I was okay with this. You know, I wanted this and I was ready. So we start this conversation and I share with him about, you know, I I tell him that the reason why we're having this is I wanted to let him know why I have been distant over the years, that I recognize that as well and that I wanted to let him know it wasn't because I wanted to hurt him or that I was um, trying to punish him or anything. I let him know that over those years what my experience was, what was going on for me, what I'd been doing, all the work that I'd been doing and I also offered him some context, you know, talking a bit about our family and the dynamics and 
And I told him that I didn't want to get into the details um, because it wasn't a conversation that was about punishing him. I wasn't there to bring these things up to make him feel bad or to make him feel guilty or to even point out any of these things. It was really me sharing as much as I needed to to offer context so that he perhaps could understand my experience and what the last 14 years was like for me since my parents' divorce. And in this, I can I could see in him that naturally he, he was getting defensive, right? I guess if we start perceiving that someone's attacking us, of course we're going to get defensive. It's the most human and natural reaction. If someone attacks you, you want to defend. And I shared with him about the impact of the physical abuse. And one of the things that he said in response to that was like, no, I, I didn't hit you. I only hit you once when you were 17 that time. And I was like, dad, that was the last time you hit me. And I could feel this part of me, you know, when someone, if there's an attack, and then there's a defense and kind of this counterattack. Then what you want to do naturally, again, is to like defend and counterattack. It's just this like tit for tat and you're kind of building up on, on this. And I didn't want to get caught up in that. And I could feel this part of me that was like, fuck you. Do not <laughs> gaslight me and tell me the shit that happened didn't happen. There was definitely that part that was alive there. That was like, fuck this. Get out. Why are we here having this conversation and you want to forget, just, yeah, forget and pretend like none of that happened. Um, but I was okay. <laughs> I could hear what was happening for him. And I brought it back to the conversation. Actually, in that moment, I felt a lot of compassion for him, recognizing Compassion for him and compassion for myself. What I recognized in that moment was we had two very different experiences. You know, so, sometimes these big things that can happen for us, especially in childhood, have this huge impact. I recognized that so much of my childhood, the stuff that I remembered, these core memories, had a, a profound impact on my life, whether they were something that spurred really healthy traits or whether they was, were moments that spurred really unhealthy things that came out of me. It doesn't matter what they were, but these things were really significant. So they were kind of burned into my memory, so to speak. And of course, with trauma, a lot of these moments were very traumatic memories. So there's this like actual memory of seeing the picture and then there's also the memory within my body that was stored that would come up through different experiences in life so I saw there that we had two different experiences there was my experience of these things had a significant impact and perhaps my dad's experience where actually in fact there were many of these times when he beat us that would have just been a natural thing for him and for him not to remember because maybe they weren't so significant or important. So I have <laughs> lots of different conversations going on in my head at the moment at that moment when he tells me that 
in fact, he didn't hit me and it was only once or whatever. And I say to him, you know, it's not about the details. I was like, I will pause you there and tell you that you did. It's okay that you have forgotten or maybe they weren't as significant for you. And so as a result, it's like, you don't need to hang on to that. I get that. They did happen. I'm not here though to look for you to validate those experiences. I don't need you to tell me that they happened for me to know that they did or to know their their impact. So we don't have to get into the details. I'm not, I don't want you to sit there and feel guilty about them. That's not what I'm trying to do. And because the most important thing there for me was to come back to the conversation and not to kind of go down this spiral of then me saying, well, what about this time, that time, that time? That wasn't important. So I come back to to this connection with myself, knowing that I wanted to be there and have this conversation. And I start sharing about the impact of our family dynamic and what that meant for my relationships. And again, I, I told him that this was just to offer context about me. This is just so that he could understand a bit more about me and why it was that I was creating distance over those years. And that ultimately the goal of the conversation, um, maybe not even goal, what I was hoping for in this conversation was an opportunity for us to connect and also to let him know that I was keen to for us to have a relationship. And what that looked like, I don't know. Like I, I didn't know at the time, it doesn't have to be this fully formed picture, but that I do want us to have a relationship and that within that relationship there are boundaries. So this was just me offering some context about my experience over that time. So I share about my relationships, about how I would expect my partners to cheat on me, the different insecurities that it brought out of me how I had had this really unhealthy relationship, this toxic one that um, where I allowed myself to be mistreated, to be diminished, to be made small, where I shut down my voice and didn't speak up about a lot of things. And I let him know that I have been and am doing work, that part of the human experience is that we don't get to choose a lot of the cards that we're dealt with. I mean, we don't have choice or control over anything around us, only ourselves. Um, and that ultimately I had come to a point where honestly, I can see that my parents were just trying their best. Genuinely, every decision, every time my dad hurt me, that he was genuinely just doing his best. And I, and I still get emotional saying that now because I know that within all of us, we sometimes, and obviously when I say within all of us, I mean within myself included, that we want to say, we want to look at someone's actions and draw this intention from it. 
We want to look at their actions and say, how can that possibly be your best? Because if I were you, I would have never done this. And having this deep sense of compassion for both my parents, I recognized that there was a lot that they didn't know. In the same way, there's a lot now I don't know. There was a lot in the in a past version of myself, a lot that I didn't know. And my parents were genuinely just trying their best, even if that meant that there were many times when they hurt me. And my dad was trying his best, even in that moment, in the conversation. And I felt this enormous sense of just love and compassion for him in this conversation that we were having. And of course, my dad in (laughs) quite typical form was like, okay, well, if all these things really hurt you and stuff and there's all this impact, then we should have a family meeting. Um, We'll get your mum together, get your mum, your sister, your brother, and we can sit down, we can talk about all of this stuff that happened in childhood. And I was like, dad, I don't think that that's something necessary or valuable. You know, rehashing the details of the past collectively might be something really painful. I'm not sure that that's something my mum wants. My mum doesn't really want anything to do with my dad. So I wouldn't want to put her in that situation. She was like, he's like, you know, get your mum there. I can apologize and do all of this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to speak for her. I don't know that that's what she needs. And if that's something that she does at some point, then perhaps she might express it. Sure. Um, But I was like, that's not something I need. You know, we don't have to fix or change the past that's happened. What we're here to talk about is what it means for us to have a relationship moving forward. And I know (laughs) that many of us want our parents to be perfect. I dare say all of us, there's a part within all of us that hope for so much more in some way from our parents. I think parents have a really tough gig, actually. I look at all, you know, all my friends basically have kids now, at least one, most two. And it's such a tough gig being a parent. So shout out to anyone listening who's a parent. It's, it's, I dare say, one of the hardest human experiences I could witness. And... I can see that as a kid, you you just, well, as a human, I think we just look for imperfections in things sometimes. And and when we when it comes to our parents, there's always more that they could have done, could have been, could be. And I didn't, in that moment, that conversation, I was like, I don't need you to be a perfect parent. I want you to know that you were trying your best and I know that you were trying your best even though I was hurt even though I was angry a lot of the time even though it it caused a lot of pain for me and had this domino (laughs) domino effect in my life in my relationships in all these things all the stuff that came about I, I know that you love me I know that you were just trying your best And I want us to have a relationship. 
Then the next part for me in having this conversation was to be able to communicate my boundaries. Typically when I communicate boundaries generally, I don't really use the word boundaries. Um, I don't personally think it's always necessary. Sometimes it is, but you know, you can say, pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm really keen to chat to you right now. I only have 20 minutes though. That's still a boundary. It's a time boundary. You don't have to say, hi, this is my boundary. You only get 20 minutes to talk. In this um, chat with my dad though, it was quite important for me to be intentional about the words that I was using. And so I let him know that I do have a couple of boundaries though and requests from him. So my two boundaries were and still are one that when we spend time together and when we talk that you don't comment on my body and on my appearance. The context behind that and the reason for that is ever since I was about 12 years old, that's when the comments started coming from my parents. And since then, I've had this ongoing challenge with navigating my relationship with my physical body, with my appearance. There have been times when, you know, I know that all of us have experienced this in some way, shape or form where people have been critical. I think if you've grown up around classic Vietnamese families, you have people being like, oh, you're fat when they you open the door and you're like, hi. And they're like, hi, you look fat today. Or hi, you're looking really skinny. Or hi, you're, why are you so dark? Why are you, why are you this? Why are you that? And it's just, it's constantly about appearance, which is not helpful or healthy. And so this brought about a lot of stuff for me, a lot of insecurities um, towards my body. And, and so I did a lot of work and it's ongoing work for me, in fact, um, to stay in a really healthy place with regards to my body. And there was like one time my dad offered to pay for for me and my sister to get a boob job, which was really weird as well, because there's this like, why are you looking at my boobs? And also I love my body. I'm like really (laughs) trying to accept myself. It's not even this trying to, it's like, I accept myself as I am and I have small boobs and that's okay. I'm very okay with that. I don't need to change it. I'm not sure why you feel the need to change it, but offerings like that and comments like that even if they are well-meaning, can really diminish a person's self-esteem and their self-image. So that was my first boundary. No comments about my weight, about my body. That That's pretty much it. I mean, he can tell me that I look beautiful all the time. That's acceptable. I just, yeah, even, even then I was like, very cautious. I don't want comments about my body because that can kind of spiral down a lot of places. And my second boundary, excuse me, is that I wanted to let him know that the time that I was spending with him was the best that I could do. And that I didn't want him making, like trying to make me feel guilty about the time I wasn't spending with him. Or yeah, like just guilt tripping me anytime that I was in Perth. 
And this was significant because I don't get to spend a lot of time um, at home when I go back to visit and I've got my mum there, I've got other family and friends and it's a juggle and it's also important for me to get adequate time for myself so that I'm not just exhausting myself with (laughs) social interactions. And I can understand, of course, a part of my dad that wants to spend more time with me and feels like he's missing out but that it wasn't helpful. Like spending my whole life being guilted into things just brings me back into a people-pleasing place. And so my boundary was like, yeah, no guilt tripping, you know, please know I am making time in the best way that I can with the amount of limited energy that I have. And that's the best that I'm doing. And I need you to see that and accept that um, and know that I will pretty much will always make time. I was so proud of myself for recognizing one, the two boundaries within myself that I needed to feel safe. Oh, actually, sorry. There was also a third and that was about um, aggression and violence. So yeah, of course that what I'm not okay with is aggressive behavior and any form of violence around me, like not okay. I will remove myself. I'm not interested in a relationship like that. It's not something that I will accept from a partner. It's not something I'm going to accept from anyone. Like if you're going to get violent with me, that's it. So yeah, being able to recognize those boundaries, very proud of myself going, what is it that I need to feel safe within this relationship? Because our boundaries will show up and change within different dynamics. I don't need to say to like my best girlfriends, I'm not going to put up with violence from you. Um, And, you know, this is my boundary because there's no need for that. For me to have a sense of safety with them, there, there isn't a need. If something like that were to happen, which I just can't imagine that, then sure, I'll communicate it. So my lesson there in different dynamics and relationships is recognizing what are my boundaries broadly, of course, but what are perhaps the better way to say it is what are the boundaries that I need to communicate within the space of this relationship? Because we can know our, our boundaries broadly, but then we really know when someone's overstepping something that perhaps we haven't realized within ourselves and go, oh, actually, this is now a boundary and someone's overstepped that. So within the space of this relationship, I'm going to communicate that. Or communicate them, obviously, as they come up through the length, through the course of a relationship. So I was proud of myself for that. Recognizing them, being able to discern what are what are clear boundaries within me and then be able to communicate them from this place of connectedness from this place of clarity within myself and compassion for my dad like I think I could have been a bit harsh with it if I wanted to and just said okay well if you want to hang out with me then here are three things take it or leave it It was important for me and it is important for me to communicate with kindness, communicate in a way that another person also feels safe to receive these things because ultimately what it is that I want is 
for us to have a relationship, for him to hear me and to hear what it is that I need and to also for him to feel respected for, yeah, and for me to feel respected within myself. So I was really proud of this conversation and for me to be able to establish these boundaries with him and he was extremely receptive. I don't think that I came into that conversation necessarily expecting any particular outcome. I was nervous and I was scared to have it. And there was a part of me that was like, this is all going to go to shit. (laughs) But I think that I knew, I really knew within me that it was the right time that I was as ready as I had ever been for it. And as a result of that, I could stay regulated within myself so that the conversation didn't spiral into an argument, into a fight or anything. And my dad really heard me. You know, there were there were tears, there was emotion there, of course. Um, and the last thing I was really proud of myself for was in in that conversation just being able to hold space for compassion for both of us. Compassion is such an interesting thing. It's something that I have developed a greater capacity for over time as I've learned to be more compassionate towards myself. And a better understanding and I guess a deeper knowing that our human experience or to be human is to make mistakes. It's to try and to get things, you know, right and wrong if that's what you if you want to pres- label it that way. But to be human is just to be, in fact. And my capacity for compassion has grown as I've recognized what it means for me to be human. Like, oh, okay, this is it. I do these things, I learn, and then maybe I make adjustments. And then I learn some more and I (laughs) mess it up somewhere else. So I held this space of compassion for both of us. And when I think about compassion, I recognize that sometimes compassion is easiest extended to those furthest away from us. And that as we get closer, as they get closer to us, sometimes compassion becomes a lot harder. Sometimes it's harder for those close to us and hardest for ourselves. That conversation that I had with my dad was really only possible because I first had compassion for myself in knowing that I'm just doing my best, that I will make mistakes. I make mistakes now. I will make mistakes forever. I will hurt people even when I don't mean to. And I will be hurt by people when they don't mean to, or maybe they do mean to. But that, 
that real sense of compassion for myself means that I can extend it outwardly to other people. And I think the hardest people for me to have compassion for my entire life has honestly always been my parents. I naturally, that little girl inside of me really just wants to be loved so much and wants to wants her parents to love her unconditionally in a way that she wants to be loved. And it's okay that perhaps my parents couldn't give that to me. Because now as an adult, it's something I can give to myself and I have given to myself. And it's from that place that I recognize, hey, my dad was just human, is just human rather. But all the hurt and the past pain was him being human and doing his best. And it's from that recognition that, recognition that I was really able to have um, this honest conversation with him. Yeah, that is pretty much it. We left that talk um, with a big hug and me telling him that I really love him. And maybe that's one of the, the truest moments in life when I've really felt that towards him, just this enormous amount of love for him, not even necessarily as my dad, just like from one human to another. And I was like, I will speak to you soon. And since then I've been, when was that? October. I was back in April this year. I introduced him to my partner. We spent some time together. And now we by no means have any kind of, you know, incredibly close relationship or anything like that. We both just show up in the best way that we can and I make an effort as much as I'm able, um, again, where I feel safe and I reach out and there's contact and every time, every once in a while there's, you know, a little part of me that's like, wants more, expects more, very natural, hopes for more, hopes for things to be different, whatever. Um, but for the most part, most of the time, I am okay with the dynamic, with the relationship that we have. And, you know, sometimes that means I extend a lot of the effort and that's all right because ultimately this is me choosing to be a part of something as much as I want to and just letting my dad be him in the same way that I hope he can let me be me. I think this has probably been quite a long chat on my end. Um, I know that conversations about our relationships with our parents can bring up a lot of stuff for us, it can bring about a lot of different parts. And so if that's happening for you, then I just want you to know I, I hear that, I understand. Um, this by no means is at all a lecture or me asking anything of you to 
shift or change anything within your relationship with your parents. Again, I get it. Relationships with our parents are extremely complicated and complex sometimes. Uh, And yeah, I think something that I mentioned on a very recent episode is people are just doing their best. Our parents are just doing their best. You are just doing your best. I am just doing my best, whatever that looks like. And I guess my hope, if anything, from this and from sharing this is just to know it's okay if you have hopes and desires and expectations out of a relationship with your parents that, you know, that you didn't get stuff that you want and don't have stuff that you wanted as a child that you didn't get love in a way that you needed that you didn't receive and it's okay for you to give that to yourself now and it's okay to feel the hurt over that and it's also okay if you want to have a relationship with your parents even if you know people on the outside looking in might be like why the heck would you want that? I know a lot of people might think that about my relationship with my dad. Um, yeah, ultimately these conversations that I have with you, it's just about me sharing a bit about myself because sometimes it's helpful for people perhaps to put words to how we might be feeling and can't articulate. And also to know that it's a common human experience. It's a fundamental need to feel safe with our parents, to feel like we belong. These are fundamental human needs. And so if we didn't get that, it's also very normal that you feel like you missed out and stuff. Um, so, yeah. I hope that this offers you something. I don't know what that thing is, to be honest, but just something valuable for you in some way. And if you are compelled to share that with me, then I would also love to hear that. Thank you for your time and your attention, for your support of this podcast. You can support the show by subscribing, by following, rating, reviewing, commenting, just showing any kind of love, sharing a link to the podcast or to your favorite episode with anyone who you think might find value in it. I appreciate all of that and for all of your kind words that you send through. So thank you. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram. Not that I'm very active. I am trying to be (laughs) at self double underscore podcast. You can follow me at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-E-T-R-A-N. I release episodes every Thursday and I will see you next week. Bye.